You're listening to Silicon Valley Beat, your home for tech and business news. I'm your host, Annie Gauss. So hard to believe that the iPhone is turning 10 years old this year, since its debut as the first mass-market touchscreen smartphone way back in the olden days of 2007. Since then, it's changed so much and so little in some ways. We've got a greatly improved camera, Siri, faster networks like LTE, many different sizes and colors, and of course, the vast universe of iPhone apps that have stretched the limits of what this device can really do for consumers. There's no question that the iPhone has changed the game for personal tech, but not all of it has been for the better. That's according to three of the original creators of the iPhone who spoke at a panel in Palo Alto this week. The main concern for them, that people have become too addicted to screen time. When asked whether the impact of the iPhone on society has been positive or negative, Greg Christie, who led Apple's human interface team in the iPhone's early days, had this to say, I don't think we know yet. I don't feel good about the distraction. It's certainly an unintended consequence. And that's reflected in studies that have looked at people's relationships with technology. A global survey of internet users recently by a firm called GFK found that 34% have trouble unplugging from technology, even when they know that they should. It's more pronounced in younger people, no surprise there, but only 16% said they don't find it difficult at all to unplug from tech. So I'm interested in how you guys feel about this. Do you find it hard to put down your phones? How do you feel that smartphones have changed the way we interact with each other and technology, positive or negative? Let me know what you think in a call-in. Thanks for tuning in. More to come. Even as the iPhone turns 10 years old this year, apps are showing no sign of slowing down. In fact, the time that people spend using apps is expected to surpass 3.5 trillion hours by 2021, according to the app research firm App Annie. By that time, the global app economy in total will pass $6 trillion as compared to $1.3 trillion in 2016, and that includes downloads, in-app purchases, and in-app advertising. So what's driving this explosion in projected app usage? It's not necessarily individuals downloading more apps. After all, previous research by the same firm has shown that individuals are getting a little bit more selective about what they're putting on their phones. It's commerce on your phone that's driving the big explosion, according to the report. Making purchases, ride-hailing, and all of the other ways money passes through your phone. That's driving the app economy's increasing total value, or much of it at least. In addition, smartphones are expected to be adopted even more widely on a global scale. The user base is projected to double by 2021, they said. App Annie also highlighted a few other categories that have increased in usage lately, travel and in particular gaming, noting that a small number of hardcore mobile gamers can spend hours a day gaming on their phones. And interestingly, in 2015, games generated 85% of the app market revenue. Up next, why some prominent people in tech are losing their jobs this week. Thanks for tuning in. This is Silicon Valley Beat.
A couple of high-profile Silicon Valley investors have left their jobs this week owing to reports of sexual harassment within the venture capital community. Most recently, Dave McClure, who was CEO of 500 Startups, resigned after it was found that he, quote, behaved inappropriately with women, according to a blog post by Christine Tsai, who's taking over as CEO. It didn't go into detail about what the behavior was, but Tsai said that it, quote, doesn't reflect the values of 500 Startups, which is an influential and prolific incubator of tech companies that Dave McClure founded. Just a few days ago, a prominent VC named Justin Kaldbeck of Binary Capital was the subject of a report that he had preyed upon numerous female entrepreneurs who sought investment for their companies. And those reports set off a snowball of similar or related accusations, some in public and some presumably not yet public, against other high-profile investors like McClure and Chris Saka. Saka has since published an apologetic blog post for personally contributing to the problem. Meanwhile, Justin Caldbeck and Dave McClure have left their jobs. Now, this is all part of a larger dialogue about discrimination in the tech world and venture capital that's been happening. And in this case, it's pertaining to gender discrimination. Uber has been a big flashpoint for this issue as well, with a number of executives resigning or leaving in the wake of accusations of harassment within the company. After a probe into those allegations, Uber fired at least 20 people and reprimanded at least 30 others related to these reports. I am sure we'll hear much more on this in the coming days and what may be done about it. Honestly, I think we're just scratching the surface on this one. I'll keep you posted. Thanks for listening. Blue Apron, the meal kit delivery service, made its debut on the public markets this week in what was considered a somewhat lukewarm showing. After debuting at $10 per share, it has since dropped about 4% on its second day, and a lot of people are watching this one because of what it might suggest about the prospects of food delivery companies. There are a lot of online services out there that you can order food from, from DoorDash to Instacart and Amazon and so many others, but it's not an easy business model. And especially since Amazon acquired Whole Foods for $14 billion a few weeks ago, some are speculating that smaller players in the space will have a tougher time surviving. Now, Blue Apron is a little bit different. They send you meal kits, which are all the ingredients you need to make a specific dish. To give you an example of their pricing, one package is three recipes per week for about 60 bucks per week, and each makes two servings. But is there really a market for this? I pose the question to you guys. Listeners who like to cook at home, are you into this whole idea or would you rather just buy your own groceries? Our caller from the Popcorn Finance channel has used Blue Apron before and shared his experience on the pros and cons of the service and whether or not he'll be using it again. Thanks so much for the call-in and thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Hi, Annie. In response to your story on the Blue Apron IPO and kind of others' experiences with the service, I've tried Blue Apron out along with uh, some of the other competitors like HelloFresh and Plated. And what I found is that although the service is convenient, uh, it's nice just coming home and there's a box there, it is relatively expensive compared to going to the grocery store. Uh, so that what, that's what kind of held me back from using it long term. But 
uh, the nice thing about it is you do get the option to try things that you probably wouldn't have tried on your own, uh, especially because you're just getting small portions of all the ingredients versus going to the store and having to buy maybe more than you would actually need. And maybe some of those ingredients you wouldn't use in other things. Uh, so that was nice. So there are some pros about it. Uh, convenience, you know, exploring new things. But uh, the price was just the real big factor for me that kept me from sticking with it. So thanks for the show and um, hope to hear your response.